This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Dr. Wayne Baker to the show. Dr. Baker will talk about how to make strategic asks that cultivate breakthroughs, solve problems, share knowledge, and bridge organizational silos. Dr. Baker, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to have you on today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, the title of your book really resonates with me. All you have to do is ask how to master the most important skill for success. And as a career coach, I see this in the trenches. So many people just don't go there. So how do we begin? How do, why do we so rarely give ourselves permission to ask for help? There's a number of things that get in the way. Um, I talk about these in the book, and I can relate just a couple of them. Uh, for example, sometimes we don't ask for what we need because we're concerned or worried or even fear uh, that others will think we're incompetent or we can't do our jobs or we're weak or we're ignorant. And yet there's some new research that's been done that says it's just the opposite. As long as you make a a well-formulated, thoughtful request, if it's that kind of request, people will think you are more competent, not less. So there, the research is helpful for updating our beliefs. One other one I could relate is that we often don't ask because we figure no one could help. And I always say, you never know what people know or who they know until you ask. And, you know, Wayne, something that I hear as a career and executive coach often, especially with emerging leaders, there's a fear that they will be perceived as weak uh, or unable to figure it out on their own if they ask for help. Is that something you encountered in in your research and writing of the book? Oh, I encountered that all the time in the consulting work I do, research with my students everywhere. It's very common. Uh, the most common type we see is is the overly generous giver. That's a person who is generous, who is willing to give, willing to help, but rarely asks for what they need. And what that means is that they're not as productive, as efficient, as creative as they could be. Because, you know, we all need input. We all need resources from others in order to work at our highest level. And you only get that by asking. Yeah. And what I found in my experience is the most extraordinary leaders are very comfortable asking for help and they've created a culture of reciprocity, helping others. How can I, how can I help you? Right. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful uh, culture shift. So it's very important for the leader to be a role model of the behavior they want. So the leader needs to request to make asks if they want other people to do the same. You can't ask people to be vulnerable and ask for what they need if you're not willing to do the same yourself. So true. Now, let's take a deeper dive because you articulate this so beautifully in the book. And I I can see nodding heads right all around the globe listening to you today. But they're saying, "Okay, I get it intellectually. But how can we strategically ask to achieve our goals? Well, the most important thing is to stop, to pause and to be intentional. So you want to think about what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What's the goal? And I have a couple of different exercises in the book that are helpful for determining the goal that you really want. Then once you know your destination, that goal, you think about what are the resources that I need? Maybe it's advice from an expert. Maybe it's mentoring. Maybe it's feedback. Maybe it's a material resource, a report, whatever. 
Once you know what the resource is, then you need to formulate your request as a what I call a smart request. And we could talk about what smart means because it's a little bit different for me. And then you actually make the request. And it could be to an individual, but it could also could be to a group. I would love for you to de- take a deeper dive into SMART because you're right. Many people have heard of SMART goals, but your acronym is different. Please, please share. Yeah, so a SMART request is different than a SMART goal. So a request is an action uh, that's going to help you make progress towards that particular goal. So for me, S means specific. A specific request triggers people's memories of what they know and who they know, the two ways they can help. The M, and this is really different from the traditional use of SMART, for me, the M is meaningful. It's the why of the request. Why is it meaningful and important? And it's surprising, but people often leave that out. But it's really critical that you explain the why. That really motivates people to respond. The A is for action. You ask for something to be done. A goal is not an action. That's a destination. So when I ask for something to be done, the R means strategically realistic. So I encourage people to make big asks. And I've seen near miracles happened because people had the courage to ask for what they really needed, but it still has to be strategically sound. And then the T is time bound. It has to have a deadline. And we've done research to show that if all five of those elements are there, you're more likely to get a positive response. And in your book, you really do talk about how miracles can happen. Might you be able to share a specific ask, again, just to illustrate this to our global listening audience and and put it in context? Well, the one that really stands out for me is about a little girl named Christina who lives in Romania. And when she was 18 years old, her parents learned that she was suffering from a condition called craniosynostosis. Now, we've all touched the top of a baby's head and where there's a soft spot because the human head is made of different bones joined by sutures, and that allows the brain and the head to grow. However, every now and then, one of those sutures will close prematurely and the head cannot expand and nothing good comes from that. And uh, you could even be at risk for uh, blindness, seizures, or even death. Fortunately for Christina, her aunt Felicia lived and worked in France and they were using some of the tools that I write about in the book. And as part of her training, she had to make a request. And she said, you know, I'm going to make a request for what I really need. And she described the situation that her niece was in back in Romania. They couldn't find a surgeon to do the corrective surgery there. Well, someone else who was participating that day said, well, now that I know that you have that request, I actually know people at the local pediatric hospital. turns out to be the world's oldest pediatric hospital. A connection was made. Christina and her family came to France. She had the surgery. It was a great success. And I've stayed in touch with the family, and I have a a picture of Christina on my desk right here that I'm looking at, which is a reminder of the power of asking for what you really need. That's a beautiful story. It really is. So one of the things that struck me in the book is the fact that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, so many people think asking for help is a bad idea. And you believe that we really need to shift our attitude and these changes can come through education, but also action. So what about the leaders out there who have teammates and colleagues who they know could benefit from help, uh, but they don't have the courage to ask? How do you give them that nudge in a supportive way? Well, one of the best things a leader can do is to implement various tools that create routines around asking and giving help. 
the, uh, the number of them, there's the huddle, the stand-up. I write about the one problem a week whiteboard, the reciprocity ring, troikas, wise crowds. There's all different routines that you can establish. And the reason they all work is because they make asking a regular expected behavior. So in a stand-up, and I can describe that very quickly, you would have the whole team stand in a circle. Each person goes around taking turns and will answer three questions. Here's what I worked on yesterday. Here's what I'm working on today. And here's the help that I need. So there, it's a routine. It's expected that you will ask for some sort of help. And the help, all the follow-up happens afterwards. But you can imagine in that situation, you know that everyone's in the same boat psychologically. So it's a little bit safer to ask if you know that everyone is going to make an ask. Beautifully put. Wayne will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So Wayne, one of the things I I love about your book, it's so beautifully designed. I've got the hard copy in my hand. And as I shared with you before the show, I've really enjoyed reading it. But one of the uh, endorsements came from Adam Grant. And I follow Adam's writing as well as yours. And his quote really moved me because he said, Wayne puts you in a better position to achieve your goals and build stronger relationships. And I would agree with that after reading the book. How do you think having the confidence to make the asks build stronger relationships? Well, when you make a request, you're enabling someone else to help you. And help is the foundation of a strong request. In the very best workplaces that have positive cultures, people are frequently asking for and giving help. And every time you do, it's a very human interaction. It's a very human exchange. And that really becomes a foundation for strong relationships. Awesome. So you talk about the technique of framing, framing an ask to get the outcome you're looking for. Tell us more about that because it's it's a little um, hard to understand until you take a deeper dive into the book. So maybe just a, a quick glimpse into what framing the ask means. Well, framing the ask begins with being thoughtful about what you're trying to accomplish, the goal you're trying to achieve, really thinking through the resource or resources that you need, then applying the SMART criteria that we talked about a few minutes ago. And then the last part is thinking about uh, the best place to ask. So it might not be the person that you immediately thought of, but it could be that there's a group or a community or a network that you're a part of. We've also found that it's important to uh, activate your dormant ties. So a dormant connection is someone that you once had a relationship with, but your lives have gone in separate directions. And the research shows that most people are delighted to hear from you, quite contrary to what we might assume, but people are happy to hear, uh, they're happy to be reconnected, very happy to help you, and because their networks and their lives have gone in different directions, they have access to resources that, that you don't even know about. So it's one of the reasons why they're so effective. So it's all those things com- together that create up the frame, the goal, the resource, the smart request, and then thinking about 
the right person, the group, or the network to post your request. And you also talk about specificity, right? Vague requests or a vague ask really don't work. Oh, it's so true. The It was very funny. The, the vaguest, most general request I ever heard was from an executive from the Netherlands who was participating in one of our executive education programs. And I was using some of the tools from the book. And he said, my request is for information. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. And so I, I looked at him and I said, well, could you elaborate? He said, no, it's confidential. And so, he, of course, he didn't get any help at all. How could anyone help with that request? He was quite generous. He helped other people. But it's really the specific request. And the more specific, the easier it is for people to help because it's the, it's the specificity that really triggers our memories of what we know and who we know. We often think, and I've encountered this frequently, is that, you know, I'll make a general request and I'll be vague about the deadline. I'll cast a wide net. That doesn't work. Nicely put. Good to have that clarity. So I, I loved reading about the law of giving and receiving. And, and I make it a practice whenever I'm asking someone for something to reciprocate, to say, how, how might I help you? But you go deeper. You, you've created four styles of giving and asking. Take us through a couple of those. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the law of giving and receiving because it's important to do both that you want to be a generous giver and a frequent requester. I call that the giver requester. And those people are the most highly regarded because they're so generous and they're the most productive because they get the inflow of resources that they need. Now, there's three other types. Uh, another one is the overly generous giver that I mentioned before. Give a lot, but you don't ask for very much so you don't get the inflow of resources that you need. The opposite of an overly generous giver is a selfish taker, uh, the person who makes requests who ask but doesn't help anyone. I have a friend of mine who uh, worked at IBM Consulting, and he said, oh, we call them sponges because they just suck in everything and they never give a drop back. And then the fourth category is the lone wolf, the person who's just trying to do it all by themselves. They don't give help and they don't ask for help. And in some ways, that's the most tragic category because they're not involved. They're not engaged, uh, not engaged in life. And another point I can make is that the reciprocity here is a little bit different from the usual definition. When I think of reciprocity, you can think about it in two ways. One is I help you and you help me, and that's great. You want that to happen. But a higher or a more generalized form of reciprocity is that I help whoever needs help. I don't keep track. It's not about an exchange or tit for tat. And I make requests when I need it. And I find that over time, the people I help aren't always the people who help me. In fact, we see that in these group tools like the stand-up or the reciprocity ring or the digital version of the reciprocity ring that we call Givitas is that oftentimes it's different people that's reciprocity at a much higher level. You can kind of think of it as paying it forward. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the picture you painted of how this deepens relationships, but it clearly helps organizations and, and businesses and work environments deepen engagement as well. What was your experience writing the book in that sense? How has uh, asking really optimized organizations? Well, every large organization is divided into silos. That's just natural and that just happens every place that we see a large organization. But what that means is that those different units have resources that other units could use, but they don't know about it. And that's where asking across boundaries is so important. So one practice might be 
what I call the cross-collaboration workshop, where you get people from two different groups or two different silos, and you put them together, and you have a workshop where they educate one another about what they're doing, and then they use some of the tools that enable asking and giving. That will create some connections across those two different silos or groups. And this is a great place to use technology, because with technology, you can really post a request, for example, to a, to a network that spans multiple silos and give and get help across all those silos. And I've learned over time that in large organizations, everything you need, all the answers, all the resources are out there somewhere in the organization, just beyond your fingertips. And you need these tools to activate them and to connect the request and the response. You know, I find it interesting. Uh, it seems like one of the buzzwords out there in the world of uh, organizational development, individual professional development is creating psychologically safe places where team members can really comfortably ask for and give help. That doesn't always happen. So what is your wisdom about how leaders can create those safe spaces that really foster asking? In a psychologically safe workplace, all of the tools that I write about are even more effective. But even in places that are psychologically unsafe, if you're willing to experiment with the tools, bit by bit, they'll make the workplace safer. So you can really think about it as a circle. You could jump in with the tools. There's a, a principle that I adhere to called the behavior first principle. It says you don't have to believe anything's going to work, but if you're willing to experiment, try this new behavior for, say, 45 days, use some of the tools for 45 days, your experience will become the evidence that you need that to really believe that it actually does work. So I think that that's a way of dealing with a workplace that is psychologically unsafe is to select some, some of these tools, commit to the behaviors for a period of time, and then when people see the results, they'll be building these connections that are bit by bit more psychologically safe, and then that can create a psychologically safe workplace. So let me riff on that a little bit. So as managers and leaders aspire to create those safe spaces, is there any wisdom in rewarding or recognizing, you know, giving a shout out to those who are bravely asking? I think it's absolutely critical. You know, when you think about most uh, reward and recognition systems, we reward or recognize the person who gives, the person who helps, the person who's a good citizen. And of course, we want to do that. But what about the person who has the courage to ask? Because there's no giving unless there's asking. And so I have a, the last chapter of the book, I write about different ways that you can actually war, reward and recognize people who ask. And sometimes it could be as simple as the leader saying, you know, I really appreciate that request that you made today because it really helps us to meet this particular goal or objective that we have. And you know, everyone, we really need to make requesting a practice. This is really important for us to do. So you could do informal recognition. Um, you could even use formal recognition programs that already exists out there with just a slight twist. Think about recognizing people who ask as well as people who help. Excellent. I like that. Making it a practice. Well said. So what's the one thing that our listeners can do today to foster a workplace culture of giving and receiving? What's the baby step? I think the step would be to give yourself permission to ask to recognize that it's critical to your success and your performance to get the resources that you need and to think through, well, what do you need? What do I need tomorrow? What do I need tomorrow to be effective or to do my job a little bit better? Think about what that is and then 
ask someone for it. Beautifully put. It starts with us as individuals. Dr. Wayne Baker, I learned so much from you today. Thank you for joining me on Your Working Life. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about mastering the art of the ask. I wish you great success. Well, thank you, Caroline. I appreciate being on the show and I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. And I want to remind everybody, your book is called All You Have to Do is Ask, How to Master the Most Important Skill for Success. And it is available on Amazon and at all major book retailers online. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.